One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An Erio's original... I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the Enron scandal. Here's what you need to know. In 1986, two energy companies merged to form the Texas-based company Enron. The new CEO, Kenneth Lay, was determined to find an innovative business strategy to improve profits and hired a young consultant, Jeffrey Skilling, who rebranded Enron into an energy trader and supplier. Enron would both purchase gas from a network of suppliers and sell it to consumers, therefore guaranteeing control of both the supply and the price of the energy. Armed with a revolutionary source of cash flow, Enron saw incredible growths in the 90s, establishing new divisions as the company provided energy services around the world. Kenneth Lay appointed Jeffrey Skilling to run Enron Finance Corporation, and the division quickly dominated the market for natural gas contracts. They launched Enron Online, the company's website for trading commodities, which soon became the largest business site in the world. With so much market power, Enron could predict future prices and guarantee superior profits. 
While the company's stock price followed standard trends throughout most of the 90s, it increased an unprecedented 56% in 1999 and an additional 87% in 2000. Soon, the company was trading at $80 a share. In August 2000, Fortune recognized Enron as one of the most admired and innovative companies in the world. Wall Street gushed over its growth. Investors gobbled up its stock. Enron was booming. But all booms eventually bust. By 2001, a number of analysts suspected something wasn't adding up. But Enron's bigwigs arrogantly dismissed any questioning and continued to brag about the company's revenue. But the market was beginning to close in on Enron's cloudy practices, slowly eroding its trust and the company's reputation. In February 2001, Kenneth Lay announced his retirement and named Jeffrey Skilling president and CEO. Six months later, Skilling resigned, sparking suspicion as the stock price slipped below $40 a share. That same month, company vice president Sharon Watkins sent an anonymous letter to Kenneth Lay, stating that the company might implode under a series of accounting scandals. Kenneth privately sold thousands of his own shares, while encouraging investors and Enron employees to continue buying. In October, Enron announced its first quarterly loss in more than four years. The company locked their investments for 30 days, preventing workers from selling their stock. By November, Enron was in talks to merge with its competitor, Dynegy. But Dynegy pulled out of the deal, citing a lack of debt disclosure. Enron's rating nosedived to junk status, a shocking 26 cents a share, and the company went up in smoke, filing for bankruptcy on December 2nd. The collapse of the deal between Enron and Dynagy has left Enron employees stunned, many of them wondering if they'll be getting their next paycheck. Everybody's concerned about your job. As it is right now, I think everybody's a little in shock. People don't know if they get their paychecks on Friday. Enron employees, some carrying boxes filled with belongings, leave their downtown headquarters, huddled against the cold and an uncertain future. News of the demise of the merger between Enron and Dynagy left many in shock. As the smoke cleared, what emerged was a massive web of fraud from a company that once boasted annual revenues over $150 billion. Enron ripped off California, selling energy at overinflated rates. It overvalued its international assets by billions to generate cash flow. The company manipulated its quarterly earnings statements and reported complex organizational structures to both confuse investors and conceal facts. The meteoric rise of Enron would be forever trumped by its catastrophic fall. Fun facts, aka death stats. Enron shares traded as high as $90.75 before the fraud was discovered, but plummeted to around 26 cents per share by the end of 2001. Enron's $63.4 billion bankruptcy was the biggest on record at the time. 21 people were convicted in the Enron scandal. Some 4,000 Enron employees lost their jobs following the bankruptcy. Nearly 62% of 15,000 employees' retirement and savings plans had relied on Enron stock, which had become practically worthless. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. 
And our very special guests today, plural, are Tommy Burns and Steve Smith. Hi, guys. Hello, gang. Hey, Rebecca, Chris, Tommy, and Clayton. Hi. Hi. Uh, Tommy and Welcome. Steve are the owners of uh, my favorite salsa, Jalapa Jar. And uh, just so everyone knows, you can try Jalapa at uh, select Whole Foods across the country. And we'll put a link to uh, Jalapa Jar in our show notes. Guys, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your salsa? <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Rebecca. We, uh, we started our salsa company up here in Brooklyn uh, about seven years ago now, and uh, our commitment is we keep it fresh. So we, um, you know, been going through the trials and tribulations of, of taking a fresh salsa and finding our, our way out to uh, California, where you guys are, and uh, getting it out to the rest of the country. Um, and as you mentioned, you can grab it at Whole Foods. You can always go uh, also go to our website and grab some there. But uh, yeah, Steve and I have been slinging salsa for for quite a bit now. This is exciting. I think the sales are going to skyrocket. Just. Yeah. Front went from you guys are going to get the yeah, that's why we came bump. on. So. This is what <laughs> a lot of a lot of our guests come back and tell yeah. us how their life has changed positively after they've done the Alarmist podcast, and uh, we look forward to hearing your story as well. You should start making sal- salsa right yeah. now because the orders are going to come right when we stop recording. Rolling in, we, we're, yeah, we're making some right country. right now. We we never stop <laughs> making it. So now, guys. We like to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What is something that's keeping you up at night? Uh, the end of Twitter? No. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> is that really, Steve? No, not even a little. This is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we going to... Um, do you want to talk about how Steve and Chris are brothers? Oh, yes. We are brothers. Let's talk about it. That's right. We can start right. there. Hey, Chris. Hey. How you doing? Well, our how's, listeners we were just know. talking. How, how's mom and dad? Because <laughs> <laughs> we have both the same mom and dad, so I don't have to say your mom and dad. That's right. right. You know what I'm right. saying? Mm-hmm. Um, now, Steve, what is alarming you recently? You have to speak honestly and from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> you have you have to give us a I mean real it's answer. it's it's always the the business uh that we're dealing with and uh right. as of today it was uh we have a bunch of jars coming into port and it's um getting them from uh Newark to Brooklyn and that's been alarming recently. I imagine you had some shipping problems with all the shipping delays over the pandemic is that correct how, or not? How long is this recording? I could probably talk for the next <laughs> <hours> <laughs> That's, that's yeah, a yes. That's a yes. Um, <laughs> Tommy, quickly, what's keeping you up at night? Uh, mostly the same logistics. Uh, you know, Steve and I kind of share uh, share you know the weight of most of the uh, daily day to day issues here. So you know, we have everything from uh, making sure uh, you know we have the World Cup starting uh, as we speak, and so just making sure our employees <laughs> want to come in as opposed to taking a break to go watch the games. We've got uh, you know the jars coming in, as Steve mentioned, um, and then just you know trying to find uh, more places to sell the product. You know, you're always looking for different ways to try to grow uh, and get into more uh, more grocery stores and more podcasts to get more marketing so you know we're just uh you know trying to figure out every day what what can we do to to get a little bit bigger you guys we have to dive right in and start putting things up on the board for this enron scandal now enron we're taking it back to to the early 2000s yeah um finance it's not really my strength Mm -hmm. um (laughs) no hard hard to 
put the you know understand numbers for me right well, we, we learned a lot in researching this rebecca and i did a lot of the research on this together and we we were just it's fascinating what goes on in, in out outside of the acting world <laughs> <laughs> you really get yourself yeah. into pickles huh when you're uh, not an actor, when you're dealing with uh, a lot of money and a lot of employees and... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Stocks? Yeah. But- L- lots of buying, lots of selling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. But I want to start off by putting collective greed up on the board. Okay. Perhaps hey. market euphoria or car- corporate arrogance... Should Something we put like all that. three of those things? All yeah, of those? Yeah, put them all three. Okay. Uh, so say it again. Co- collective greed, col- corporate arrogance, and market euphoria. Market euphoria. Collective greed, market euphoria, and corporate, corporate arrogance. This is according to author and accountant C. William Thomas, uh, who wrote in the Journal of Accountancy. On the surface, the motives appear simple enough. Individual and collective greed born in an atmosphere of market euphoria and corporate arrogance. Hardly anyone, the company, its employees, analysts, or individual investors wanted to believe the company was too good to be true. Many kept on buying the stock, the corporate mantra, and the dream. So it's like, yeah, it's the too good to be true, right? You don't want to burst... You don't want you don't want to wake up from that dream. Yeah, like what is the right? We're trying to find a, a, a an analogy here. Is it like a runaway train? What what is okay? So I think at the core of this right was that this corporation has to show gains year over year. And you guys can maybe talk about this. You guys were finance adjacent. Steve, you worked in finance for a while, so you you know a little bit more about this, but. A corporation has to show profits in order to keep their board and investors happy and and in in order for for them to, I don't know, whatever, get more credit and continue to grow. No, I think what you're looking at here is that um, everything in the world is priced at what somebody will purchase it for. Um, So creating a vision of something that is worth more than it actually is, is what can get Mm. people over their skis. Um, and in this circumstance, I feel like they knew they were in trouble. So what they did is they basically fudged the numbers, um, which right. is very illegal, but it's only illegal if you get caught uh, in order to portray a value that somebody else would buy. And that's kind gotcha. of what um, prompted this, you know, the, the, the rise of the stock um, and supported it. Steve, do you feel like, I mean, aren't you eventually going to get caught if you're fudging the numbers? A hundred percent. I mean, listen, you know, you got the Bernie Madoff scandal. You got all these people, they get caught eventually and somebody looks in the books. I mean, the perfect example is what's going on with FTX right now, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is a future episode. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) so I I don't want to give it, give away too much, but it's the same (laughs) Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's a little bit of hot potato too, right? It's like, uh, to your point, uh, you know, Chris, it's kind of like a runaway train and everybody's got an invested stake. So who wants to be the whistleblower? You know, there's, mm. there's generally not a, a strong reward usually. I think the SEC actually has a, a program where they try to incentivize and reward whistleblowers so that they can uh, try to catch some of these people in the act. But, uh, you know, everybody wakes up. You know, we talk about it even in our business. There's a bit of a treadmill effect. Every day you get on the treadmill, it's moving. So 
you got to mm. keep up with it. You owe, you owe reports to somebody. You owe this, right. uh, you know, report to the the filing committee so you can, uh, you know, take a look at, like you said, to get the next line of credit. I mean, there's always just something right. else to just say, well, let's just kind of move on and maybe this will go away. Okay. So I'm just trying, let's, because there's a lot in that that I want to sort of parse through and just kind of just to put up on the board. Yes. Let's start with treadmills. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's, well, I think Steve's first point was perceived um, worth or perceived uh, value. value. Is yeah. that value so let's put that up on the board because i think that's so key to like kind of understanding what they were doing right in in hiding the losses um but i also think plus um, it's kind of like acting right you're creating something um out of nothing kind of so maybe it's like a a little more parallel there (laughs) finally something i understand right i'm so lost until i said acting <laughs> I wanted to say, and we can put this in you know acting terms for us actors. Like they, we maybe like lack of regulation or like a good director to steer the show in the right direction. Does that make? Oh, hmm. that seems, it seems like that seems lot- individually motivated potentially. <laughs> well, I'm just it- mean like all those terms. It's like like to your guys's points. You guys are the business guys, but there's a lot of things that like checks and balances that need to be. Checked and balanced, mm-hmm. right? Like, and if Checked you're not, and pe- yeah, and if people aren't, you know, regulating that, it's easy. You have the opportunity to fudge the numbers. Yeah. I yes. mean, I think it's, uh, you know, the harsh part is, or I guess the scary part is there is a pretty good regulator out there. It's just, it's hard. There's so much going on every day in right. all these different places and so much temptation for everybody to find uh, ways to increase their perceived value. Let's put temptation up on the board. Temptation. Temptation. <laughs> Money temptations. Do we put volume? Like, like, is there just so much, too much of it going on to like Definitely. even be? Well, okay. yeah, but I mean, well, that's an interesting point. I mean, the, a lot of what they were saying about what these guys were doing wrong was there was like the black box theory, which is like it's they won't they they're not being dis, they're not disclosing mm-hmm. um, f- truthfully their right their losses or or they're sort of hiding mm-hmm. right these losses yeah so i mean there's um, there's ways that they can maneuver numbers uh at the end of the day you right. can it, there's rules and regulations about it but you can always take you know revenue in certain months oh sorry that was a big word right um revenue <laughs> hey months? i know that no. keep it to weeks and days <laughs> speaking of big words financial engineering <laughs> put that one on the board yeah. Okay. Oh, I, love I like that. that. Do tell. Oh, I was just. Uh, I just. I heard that this phrase once. Round. I just. It <laughs> yeah. sounded good. Uh, but it's. It's kind of yeah. what. Wait. Steve's, are we just saying things yeah, we've now heard before? <laughs> it's what Steve's okay. referring to. You kind of just. Yes, uh, you, financial. You re-engineer how things look and whether right, or not the revenue is right, coming right. in today that. or yesterday. Financial engineering is a smart way of saying fudging the numbers. Yes. Number. Anytime you hear somebody say financial engineering, you should like, grab your wallet and just be careful. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> now, I want to talk about these key players in the scandal. And first off, I think we can put the chairman and CEO, Kenneth Lay, up on the board. This is according to U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh During 2001, with specific knowledge of rapidly deteriorating performances of Enron's business units, Lay made numerous false and misleading public statements about Enron's financial condition. In meetings with research analysts, Lay falsely stated that there were no accounting issues, 
no reserve issues, and no other shoes to fall at Enron. When Lei was learning more about Enron's deteriorating financial condition, he sold 918,104 shares and then an additional 362,000 thousand and fifty one (laughs) shares of Enron stock back to the company. Enron's shareholders and employees, much less the public, did not learn of Lay's sales until February of 2002. Lay misled Enron employees when he informed them that he had purchased additional shares over the last couple of months. In making this statement, Lay concealed that he had made net sales of, of, of over $20 $20 million in Enron stocks in the preceding two months. So not only is he taking his you know, money out of the company, but he's telling the employees to keep investing bye, in the bye, company. Bye. Well, guy. does have to buy if you're selling. So, you know, to be fair, he's just creating a market. Yeah, but he's got insider information. I mean, he's, he's right. the one doing all this stuff. He knew it was coming down. That's uh, Steve. Right. CEOs yeah. have to file like forms when they sell their own stock, and it, you have to do it like ahead of time, right? Did that happen because yeah. of Enron, or that already was that already in place? No, that, that's been in place for years. Um, and they can't sell. So he just avoided during, that. Yeah, basically, he just uh, he went about it his own way. No, he might have. He might have gotten. You open up windows to sell it, so he right. probably had opened that window and then decided to sell it, knowing that everything he was doing on the other end was nefarious. And Which you know, suggests it, he had a pretty large window and forecast as to how bad it, everything just was. The, the, you know, it's it's his personal greed because he knows what's going on. So, mm, and if he doesn't, right. that's a bigger issue. Do we put like good old fashioned corruption on the board because of that? Like, is or is there something more specific we could say? Just serious um, is a good word, but I want to be. I mean, those are his actions. I think putting Kenneth Lay up on the board is enough. Okay, sure. You know, and And I like what Steve said, where it's like either he did it for nefarious reasons, right? Personal greed, or he he didn't know about it, and that's just like bad being a bad CEO, right? Yeah, yeah. Either he's a (laughs) he's a complete idiot, or (laughs) probably not the case. Bad guy or a criminal mastermind. (laughs) Right. 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 Now, let's also put CEO Jeffrey Skilling up on the board. Okay. This is according to financial writer Adam Hayes, who wrote in Investopedia. By the time Enron started to collapse, Jeffrey Skilling was the firm's CEO. One of Skilling's key contributions to the scandal was to transition Enron's accounting to to market accounting. I'll come back to mark to market. This form of of accounting allowed Enron to report unrealized gains that inflated its income statement. Skilling advised the firm's accountants to transfer debt off of Enron's balance sheet to create an artificial distance between the debt and the company that incurred it. The company continued to recognize revenue earned by these subsidiaries. As such, the general public and most importantly, shareholders were led to believe that Enron was doing better than it actually was, despite the severe violation of GAAP rules. Skilling abruptly quit in in August of 2001 after less than a year as chief executive and four months before the Enron scandal unraveled. Steve, you were going to jump in and I'm so glad we have you on for this episode help us understand what it was that skilling was doing behind the scenes that's the financial engineering i was talking about so basically what he had was Ah. a bunch of a bunch of companies and a bunch of entities with um revenue and 
costs. And what he was doing is he was hiding the costs and only showing revenue in certain one of certain companies because the value that they had. So say something was worth a dollar and the value of it went to 10 cents, but there's no way to get a true evaluation of that. So what they do is this mark to market, which is basically saying, no, 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 it's worth a dollar. And it shows on their balance sheet a much greater value. And they're able to kind of say that despite all of these losses that the companies are taking, that no, no, it's valued at $1, even though if they went out and tried to sell it, it would be worth 10 cents. So it's the financial engineering that we had discussed earlier. Wow, that's finally clear. And um, the, the, these companies, just so we're clear, and a lot of them were called Raptors or um, well, S, SPEs or special project entities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, these guys would just sort of invent these companies. I mean, is that, I mean, th- that seems hard for me, but I guess no, to understand, but I guess the timing makes total that's what sense. They would, Think about it. It's right. the beginning of the internet, right? They were there were mm-hmm. companies that were making dog bowls valued at a hundred million dollars. Like the 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 value of the company is what somebody's willing to pay for it. So if somebody sees this dog right. bowl company on the internet and they say, "Oh, dogbowls.com is awesome," I'm gonna go I'm gonna go buy that company because they're gonna sell ten trillion dog bowls. You know, that's it's all perception, speculation. It's all speculation, perception. and gotcha. nobody mm-hmm. knew which companies were actually doing you know the business and actually making money. So maybe we put up uh, early internet on the board too. <laughs> I, I did mean, have that thought as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just seems like that the changing wild, wild market West. conditions. Ooh, wow, like that. coming in with these terms. I mean, did we just, I'm not sure he you, understands what? what any of them mean. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, they they invented these terms to confuse actors so that we don't ask questions. That's why they're here. <laughs> did, did, didn't we put market exuberance up there already? Market exuberance. euphoria, euphoria, Market euphoria, exuberance. Yeah, I think that that yeah. kind of sums it up pretty well. Okay, they're very okay. excited about dog bowls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, another key player we have to put up on the board is CFO Andy Fastow. This is according to Fraud Magazine. I didn't even know there was a magazine de- dedicated to fraud, but mm. here we go. <laughs> As the former CFO of Enron Corporation, Fastow helped set up a system of structured financing that gave Enron greater access to capital and made financing less expensive. In reality, Enron misstated its income. Its equity value was a, was a couple of billion dollars less than its balance sheet stated. Using, quote, partnership companies the company had created, Enron masked huge debts and heavy losses from its trading business. Fastow maintains that they intended to follow accounting rules and the company's accountants and attorneys technically approved the deals. Nonetheless, they were misleading. Quote, I always tried to technically follow the rules, but I also undermined the principle of the rule by finding the loophole, he says. I think we were all overly aggressive. If we ever had a deal structure where the accountant said the accounting doesn't work, then we wouldn't do those deals. We simply kept changing the structure until we came up with the one that technically worked within the rules. Hmm. I I I ha- I want to put this in terms of Jalapajar salsa. Okay. Okay. So Jalapajar's Enron. <laughs> Steve goes and starts. A, Maybe we could say Tostitos. <laughs> tostitos. I was going to say tomatoes, or I was going to say you know uh, jalapeno pepper business, and 
you know, let's say some of the jars are selling really, the jars that are selling really well have lots of jalapenos in them. So, um, but the jars that aren't selling that well, and you know, this is a total fake, all of Jalapa jars sell really, really well, but <laughs> this is a fake scenario, but the ones that have mango in it. So Steve owns both a jalapeno company and a mango company and the jalapeno company is doing so well. So we'll show the investors all of the good sales we're doing in jalapenos and we'll offset the losses that the mangoes, the mangoes that aren't selling that well, will hide those and overcompensate with the salsa mm. and the mango and the jalapas. Jalapas. That definitely confused me more <laughs> for sure. <Yeah. laughs> now I just want salsa. I'm only thinking about <laughs> just without mangoes. <laughs> no mangoes. Um, I took a swing. <laughs> I, I want to go back to Fraud Magazine. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> pitching an investor community that you want to start a magazine based on fraud? I know. Would you feel uncomfortable or more comfortable because this person's very, I don't know, holier Right. Style? Well, I'm just so know, concerned by the by fact that. that they are able to fill up the magazine. I don't know on a right. basis. <laughs> it, it, it's lots God. of ads from the fraudsters themselves. <laughs> That's a good point. It's a good marketplace well, for fraud. Sure it wasn't started by somebody named like Mary Fraud. Like, are we sure it's not like just a <laughs> last name? Oh, sure. That's, like that's Oprah magazine. Could be an acronym. Yeah, it could be an acronym too. Financial accounting <laughs> under we'll have to find revolutionary out. dictionaries. Now there, we still have a lot of things to put up on the board. Arthur Anderson, the auditing company, has to go up. This is according to HG.org, a legal information website. The controversy extended to Arthur Anderson, which was accused of overlooking fin significant sums of money that had not been represented on Enron's books. The company was one of the big five accounting firms in the United States and had served as Enron's auditor for 16 years. According to court documents, Enron and Arthur Anderson had improperly categorized hundreds of millions of dollars as increases in shareholder equity, thereby misrepresenting the true value of the corporation. Arthur Anderson was also accused of destroying thousands of Enron documents that included not only physical documents, but also computer files and email files. So always a good sign when they destroy documents. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, why would an auditing company like what do they have to gain? Like, do you think Enron was like paying them money under the table or something like why? What would be the incentive for them to help them hide this? These losses. Well, I think they're being employed uh, by You'd Enron. have to think so. I think they're full on being employed. Oh, it's an yes. internal auditing company? Yes. Oh, okay. No, no, then done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was an external. I'm like, okay, why would you? Okay, got it. Well, they, it is no, external. Arthur Anderson is an external company. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but they were oh, a big but they were but I, a To big your client. point, I don't get what the incentive is. Like, still, you, you have to have some, I don't know, ethical care for your overall brand as an auditor than right. to just throw it all away for for one entity so then is it just where was enron that good at convincing them even the auditors that everything was above board i mean mm. sort of like again what's going on with ftx right now there's a lot of hand-wringing of how many people endorsed the the you know the founder and the whole concept of what they were doing a lot of people that you know m most uh you know most of us were convinced or were taught to believe we're you know good upstanding well-educated financial minds that uh you know they're on cnbc telling you what to buy and what to sell right we're just as complicit in believing that this thing was uh, above board as anybody else so 
feel a little sorry that maybe Arthur Anderson just got duped along the way just the same, but it is a little, not great when you're destroying emails and, yeah. and document. Hey, hey, can you burn that when you're done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. That, that, that totally, no right. problem. Checks out. Yeah, it's like, it's like poor Greg in Secession, right? He's like linked up with Tom in season one, spoiler alert, and he's got to get rid of the documents. Like that you'd never, you know, the, the ominous music usually plays when they tell you to destroy doc, documents. Right. And, and it's also like the aggression of the the executives at Enron and sort of forcing Arthur Anderson along the way. And the, the, like the smartest guys are at least this guy, these guys fast out and skilling, you know, they seem to be the ones who were not only smart about the sort of ways they were uh, engineering these numbers, but they were also really forceful and like aggressive with these Arthur Anderson guys. That, that, that checks out. I mean, we've all been, well, maybe not Steve, but the rest of us have probably been in a room where we're maybe not the smartest financial mind. And <laughs> what? You can, get, yeah. you can get a little in- intimidated into like, oh, that sounds right. You know, I'm, just especially in how it's delivered. True. But the reason they had, yeah, the reason they had an outside auditor is because it's required by law. Tommy and I have talked about this, about some people that we had an auditor once that was working for us. So we were paying them, not the regulatory authority. So at the end of the day, they wanted to make sure that the millions of dollars that they were getting paid by Enron was going to go, you know, into their pockets right. and into their investors' right. pockets. Which is like a yes, conflict of. It's a conflict. So it this is like, what I'm saying. Sure. So it's like, Correct. um, so so exactly how how are they able to make a just um unbiased, unbiased uh, yeah, yeah exactly. account, audit, audit. <laughs> yeah well they, they changed all the conflict rules. of interest is good i don't have yeah, a better right. phrase well that. it's like when they changed all the rules because of this right oh. so what right. what are, uh, we can maybe get into that a little bit later what well, what rules were changed i i, I want to say one thing that just back to what tommy was saying like about being in the room and not knowing what they're talking about is like on a, just like a layman term like it's so overly complex. Right. Like, why is it yes. got to be so freaking complicated that like you have to like take a college course to understand like some of these things? And it just seems like you're bound more than to... a course. I mean, you got to take years right. and you got to pass you know series seven tests and things like that. So you're right. It's 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 more than a little complex. And I think the people that then make it right. to the other side of, uh, other side of that marathon sometimes are like, okay. I know way more than you do, so I can, right. I can manipulate it, you here. It's like the, it's like Congress trying to like you know regulate the internet. It's like a bunch of old people who don't even know how to sign on to a Zoom <laughs> call, for example, right. trying to like remember when they were like deposing or they had that they, like Zuckerberg yes. was there and they were like telling explain this simple. It's like talking to your grandparents. It's like so when I how can you expect hold the how can you expect down. government regulators? Is that yes. for the computer? But how can you expect the... regulators to do this? If they don't even know the terms, and you're like, just shut up, and I'm doing it right, right. and just trust me. Like that's what it seems like it comes down to. Well, and I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Matt Levine from Bloomberg, who who writes a great uh, usually daily article, opinion article on finance, and you know he talks a lot about how then you take the SEC lawyers who are are employed by the government, and you would like to think are on the side of you know justice and just finding the fair result. Usually need a job once they get out of wow. uh, the SEC yes, and once they get out of private finance. practice, yeah. And so a lot of them are not incentivized to go too hard sometimes because they mm-hmm. want to be friends with these folks you you know, on the other side of it. So there there is a lot of give and take with uh you know or at least it seems like there's a lot of give and take with um you know trying to figure out where's the new line and then okay here's the slap on the wrist for crossing the line and you know that that seems to be almost day to day i think almost every bank got fined during the pandemic for using whatsapp to to um, communicate with clients because it's you know mm-hmm. off uh official channels and whatnot and that was just kind of like a blanket thing okay everybody needs to stop now so it's almost 
watching the rules be made in real time. Right. Which is like one aspect of finance that I think is sort of under, I don't know, under focused on or underappreciated by, by most people um, that this kind of generally goes on. And then these guys just obviously went even further and said, oh, look how clueless everybody is and how much we can get away with. Right. Let's it's like push, poor ethics. It's just envelope. like, let's break the rule until we can't anymore. Right. Like it's right. not, like, it's not it's illegal like the yet. <laughs> the Astros. Oh, like everyone. Uh, Everyone's stealing signals, so you know we'll just steal them as better, you know, better than anybody else until somebody says we can. Now, uh, yes, I, I, we're running out of time, so I, I because we're talking about you know this regulation, and and I think we need to put the the Bush administration up on the board, um, but just so we can have a well-rounded idea. Uh, this is according to ABC News, the Houston-based company. Uh, was among the first to back Bush when he ran for governor of Texas. Enron and its executives went to become the largest source of financial support for Bush's campaigns, giving more than $500,000 uh, to his campaign. There was no company in America closer to George W. Bush than Enron, said center director Charles Lewis. He said... He says that the company's goals in backing Bush was to encourage further deregulation of the energy industry. Right. As Bush assumed mm. the presidency, Enron had unusual access to the new administration's deliberations about energy policy. Lay served on the Bush transition team and helped interview <laughs> candidates for the Federal Energy Regulatory <laughs> Commission. Could you imagine? It's crazy. Which oversees the gas pipelines and electricity grids that are key to Enron's business. Arthur Robert Bryce, in an interview with Democracy Now! said, in early 2001, when prices are skyrocketing in the power market in California and price gouging is obvious, Ken Lay gets a personal meeting with Dick Cheney and briefs him on their goal, which was to not have the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission intervene in California power, in the California power market. The next day, Cheney repeats virtually the very same talking points that Ken Lay handed to him, which were, quote, don't intervene. We believe in the free market. Let's let the free market figure out what the price or proper price of power in California is. So the FERC didn't intervene. They stayed out of the market for another two months. Billions of costs were imposed on California consumers. Finally, the FERC intervened in June of 2001, imposing soft price caps, and the entire power market collapsed. Price sanity returned to the market, and that's where I think the corruption was uh, has really occurred. Lay got access to Cheney, and Cheney and the Bush administration led the FERC or instructed the FERC not to intervene, and that cost California dearly. Yeah, well, it's just crazy that the this whole idea of deregulation being pushed by these, um, these power companies... Um, Obviously, it's in their best interest, and they make the argument that it's in the interest of California, I think is what they said, is that, look, we're going to make you a bunch of money um, because in a free market, I guess, you know, it's easier to... It'll drive prices down. Right, right, exactly. Or competition. Right, yeah. right. And it's good for, I guess, I don't know, California in some way because of taxes? I don't know. Well, it just... I don't know, and and some of this is a little bit over my head, but a lot of this is way feel, over my head. I mean, it just feels like the guy who runs a company shouldn't be picking the people who <laughs> are going to regulate, regulate his company. company. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's definitely like getting to pick your umpire. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a little, yeah. But you know, this is another one that I think is just I don't know uh, normal human behavior, I guess, or just expected mm -hmm. human behavior where it's hard to explain 
the complexity of finance over a phone call. So if you're the lucky enough person to get somebody to go to dinner with you and you can explain your side, you can be very compelling in those, you know, circumstances. And whoever gets the audience with the the regulator is always going to have, you know, the ability to persuade them to, you know, to a certain degree. And that's unfortunate and seems unfair, but it's also just, you know, it's, we we all, yeah, it's a little bit of the way we all have only so much time in a day. So it's like, you know, we listen to whoever, um, you know, gives us the best audience. Now, finally, the last thing I want to put up on the board, because we have to get into this, is lying, just lying. <laughs> okay. Um, this is Sometimes the simple old answer fashion is the lying. Uh, this is uh, our researcher, mm-hmm. Alex's suggestion, and she just wants that to go to jail. That's, that's her perspective. So She was saying also in parentheses, not to be confused with lying down. <laughs> which is an activity that she loves. Right. Good. She's saying lying. Thank you for that, the old Alex. liar, liar, pants She's on fire. She's very specific, but truly, I mean, Yeah, lying. well, this is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if, if, if it's lying to even to yourself a little bit, right, where these guys were, again, crossing over these ethical boundaries sort of with their eyes wide open, um, you know, you know, you know, you know what you're doing, yeah, guys. Come on, come on. Come you know on. what you're doing. <laughs> but that goes all the way down the the organization, right? It goes back to the runaway train, where then even the junior accountant on the uh, team of the CFO still probably says this doesn't seem right. But right, yeah. exactly. I'm getting a nice so, bonus, right, so I'll right. lie as so well. So maybe self-interest should be in there, right? Yeah, I mean, I do we have like that we have in there already? Board. Hefty board. Hefty before, board. Before we read it, uh, I, I do think we, we can put up for the big clap uh, the whistleblower, <laughs> Sharon Watkins, who Steve was talking about earlier, you know, how there's no incentive for whistleblowers. And I really don't think that she had much incentive to come out. In fact, it was, you know, to her detriment. Uh, and to the company, you know, that, you know, she tried is all I'm saying. She tried to. She wrote a memo saying. Get the like, company back on track. It's uh, Yeah, you're, you got to uh, be very strong in the face of a lot of uh, pushback from everybody from the CFO and the CEO on down to that junior accountant when you write that memo. Right. It's they actually do have uh, a program uh, within the SEC to reward whistleblowers. But it might take you 10 years of your life just right. being, you know, total total hell from everybody mm-hmm. hating you doubting you you know etc not to mention people with incentive to get you to be quiet um you know dealing with stuff like that so even though at the end of that rainbow there's been some whistleblowers that have received i, I want to say over a hundred million dollars in in uh, retribution for being right is you got to go through a lot to get there okay so why don't we take a quick break and then we'll start knocking things off the board Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, who's to blame for the Enron scandal? Is it collective greed, corporate arrogance, market euphoria, treadmills, perceived value, lack of regulation, temptation, volume, financial engineering, chairman and CEO Kenneth Lay, CEO Jeffrey Skilling, early internet, changing market conditions, CFO Andy Fastow, Arthur Anderson, the auditing company, poor ethics, Conflicts of interest, Bush administration, lying, not to be confused with lying down, or the whistleblower no, no. Sharon Watkins. Yeah, yeah. Clayton She's getting put the big clap. The <laughs> well, I'm just putting her up there. So oh, I'm the big giving her clap. the big okay, clap immediately. Yeah. Okay. So that's a huge board. <laughs> Massive. That's maybe one of our biggest ever with a lot of concepts. Yeah. A, a it's dense. Board. Like the subject, it's very complex <laughs> and confusing. I, I just before we wrap up, I do want to applaud Rebecca for reading the Journal of Accountancy and Fraud Magazine. Those are both some <laughs> in very, very quality finds. Nice. Good job, Rebecca. Yes. Uh, g- thank you to our researcher, Alex Ball, <laughs> as <Yes>. well. <laughs> <laughs> she may have done a little more reading than Rebecca in this case. <laughs> I'm getting Those the are sense. just I open we tabs just, on her computer we... <laughs> that she <laughs> went back to. We might have crash the servers at the journal of accountancy by the time this is over mm-hmm. funny. Um, i feel like we can take treadmills off the list yeah let's take treadmills yeah, i think so safe now there's a lot of things that can fold into each other mm-hmm. um coll- uh, corporate arrogance uh goes i feel like collective greed can fall into corporate arrogance corporate arrogance is r- is really really yeah. um, compelling yes uh, a lack of regulation, I feel, um, falls into. I don't say it's not just the Bush administration because there were other administrations before that which didn't properly put in the the regulation. No, I, I uh-huh. I like lack of regulation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we fold Bush administration yeah. into the lack of regulation. Into lack of okay, yeah. okay. They happen to be in the driver's seat at the time of the right. lack of regulation, but. Do we There's far- lack of regulation across the board. Do we fold Arthur Anderson into lack of regulation as well then? Yes. Or is that different? Certainly conflicts of interest in Arthur Anderson maybe can go together. I think Arthur Anderson should stay on the board, uh, at least for okay. a, a, the time being, because at the end of the day, 
they were the ones in place to perform this regulatory duty or at least bring up these conflicts. Yeah, they could be slap contenders. It's, it's the old, it was your one job, right? <laughs> kind of thing. Like, yeah, you're the here to job. catch this. You had I feel one like poor job. ethics falls into all of this, the, the auditing company and the CFO and the CEO, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's fun to blame greed, but I think it always exists. You do want to have confidence that the regulators and the auditors would step in. Right, right, right. What about something like perceived value? Is that something that like, you know, these CEOs are using to their advantage or, or, or we can't blame, can we fold that into perceived them? Perceived value. I don't think, perceived value is never going to change. So it's not right. Blame. Right. Okay, great. It's just right. a sort of, so we just take it off the Irony and yeah, right. perceived value never changing. Yeah, it's just like just walking confidently into an audition room. You know what I mean? It's like people are going to be like, oh, this guy maybe deserves the job. They haven't even seen me act yet. I right. rely on perceived value a lot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> why we put our salsa in a glass jar. You can see it and perceive that's, that's the value cool. and quality Whoa. of right. the salsa oh, from afar. I love that. And and it's tempting. And gotta get in there. It's uh it's environmentally more friendly than the plastic jars. That's there right. you go. That's right. That's right. Like um, that. Market market euphoria and uh, changing market conditions are very similar. Okay, I okay. think I like market euphoria better. Right. Mm-hmm. Same. It's certainly more fun to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the volume Truth. folds into the regulation lack of regulation. Right. Yeah. Yeah, or at least not being funded properly mm-hmm. or supported properly. Financial sure. engineering is like lying. So I yes. think you can almost put together put the three financial engineering chairman Kenneth Lay and Jeff Skilling in one bucket. Yeah, and should we put uh, Andy Fastow in it as well? Because yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were the engineers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so. What are we? What are we folding them into? Just, like, uh, who's the top of that? Three, like they're together. Leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Like leadership. Enron leadership. Yep. Okay. Mm. Oh, I see. I like so creating that. a new car- category for all three of those Enron leadership. So Enron leadership. And let's take lying off because I think it's bigger than lying. I mean, it is literally lying. Another another thing that's never going to go away. <laughs> Gosh, that's true. I also feel like early internet no cap. can come no off. No cap. <laughs> the cap will never be no cap. I know. There will always be a cap. Do you guys know what cap means, Rebecca? Do you know what that means? No, of course not. It's a I cool don't. young person term for lying. Oh. Not lying. No, for like, yeah, that's true. No yeah, cap. No cap. No cap. Means lying. Yeah. Cap okay. means lying. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. I had to have it explained to me, too. It's okay. <laughs> what are we taking off? I've, I've just missed this. Uh, it's uh, so you got lying. It. It's lying. <laughs> oh, lying. I think you can okay, take early there. internet right. off, too. Because yeah. that sort of goes and into the uh, market. It's, again, like, like Steve said, it's never going away. Oh, right. Like, mm-hmm. right. I mean, mm-hmm. early internet matters to the Enron scandal, but not to the fact that these scandals happen. Mm-hmm. So we're left with Arthur Anderson, the auditing company, the Enron leaders, a lack of regulation, market euphoria, and corporate arrogance. All really good stuff. Yeah. I think it boils down to three things. The first sentence that you brought up corporate greed arrogance and market euphoria the second one is lack of regulation and the third one is the leadership there and we have to decide which of those three is to blame mm-hmm. okay so do you think mm-hmm. arthur anderson the auditing company should get off the hook here 
They're involved Oof, in lack of regulation. That's tough. Oh, I see. Oh, so they get, I see. They get rolled into lack of regulation. Okay, I like that. We have to do it. These are tough calls. Okay. We just have to do it. Now, Steve, where is your mind at? I'll tell you where what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we we do um, send the Enron leadership to the alarmist jail and we slap the lack of regulation. I second that. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I third it as well. Wow. Wow. Um, See, the regular, I would, I like the regulators too. play at a, d- a disadvantage. They're always a little behind. So they get slapped while learning the new rules that are being played by. But those that take advantage should be the ones that get uh, thrown in jail. Now, I, I just want to make a last ditch effort for market euphoria. Because to me, when I think about all of these things that go wrong, okay, so the housing crisis, as well as this, the crypto market, whatever, I think about the market euphoria, the, the basically financials in place taking precedent over product or actual anything, anything real being behind these financials. And anytime you're betting on bets, which is what they were doing on, you know, in the finance, in the, uh, housing market to me is something we should we should really take a long look at here at the alarmist yeah, what do you guys I understand think about that? but i i also feel like as a leader <laughs> you, you you know the people were the ones making the decisions right the market was just the market euphoria. exists they were getting bad <laughs> they were getting bad information well no i think yes exactly the leadership was the one that that gained the most from market euphoria mm-hmm. so mm-hmm you know, they, they knew the truth about what was going on there and they decided to ignore it. I think market euphoria is almost just a, a rationalization crutch. It's like, you know, I can see why they went and did more financial engineering because there was so much right. temptation and maybe it spiraled like the crypto market's a good example. It's just kind of gotten out of control where maybe you thought you had, you know, a solid infrastructure and then it disappeared on you, but you didn't mean to, it's not <laughs> like you set out to screw people over potentially. So maybe they set up a company properly to trade energy, but just the euphoria took off on them. But to Rebecca's point, at the end of the day, the leader still has to say, but this isn't right. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I've taken away from this? I've taken away that if I'm ever in an office setting and someone says, hey, guys, we're just doing a bit of financial engineering to start burning those ducks, <laughs> then I know I'm being manipulated. Start recording. Start recording. <laughs> Before this episode, I might have been like, great, we're doing financial engineering. <laughs> Burn that. Right away. Find your whistle. Find your whistle yes. that you around your so neck <laughs> and take a deep inhale and blow it. We're teaching yeah. And just go for it. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to call it. Lack of regulation, you're getting the big slap. Enron leadership, you're going to the alarmist jail. And that's all of you boys. Pack up pack up your suits. Um and don't forget about Sharon Watkins. She's oh yes, that's big right. clap for Sharon. Uh Sharon Watkins, the whistleblower, you're getting the big clap. Well, Steve, Tommy. Literally, we couldn't have done this one without you. (laughs) (laughs) True. Well, thanks for having us today, guys. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. After emerging from bankruptcy in 2004, 
Enron's new board of directors sued 11 financial institutions involved in helping conceal the fraudulent business practices of Enron executives and collected nearly $7.2 billion as part of legal settlements. In May 2004, more than 20,000 of Enron's former employees won a suit of $85 million for compensation of $2 billion that was lost from their pensions. From the settlement, the employees have each received about $3,100. Kenneth Lay was convicted of six counts of fraud and was subject to 45 years in prison. He died in 2006 before his sentencing occurred. Jeff Skilling was convicted of 19 counts of fraud and sentenced to 24 years in prison. He was released in 2019. Andy Fastow was convicted of two counts of fraud and sentenced to six years in prison. He was released in 2011. As a result of Enron, Congress passed the Sarbanes-Oxley Act to hold corporate executives more accountable for their company's financial statements. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Maria Blasucci. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the 1995 Tokyo Metro sarin gas incident. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. 
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.